Okay, well, how about that? Interesting. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning, okay? This is a great day, Mother's Day. And you know what, for me, unfortunately, just like, um, just like uh, Easter, uh, for me, because of Sunday and where I live, it's kind of that... Um, Kind of one of those days where I just don't get to, to be with my be with my mother like on Easter, or be with my family. So, so uh, yeah, you know. But I'll be calling. I'll be calling just like everybody else will later on. So, if you, how many of you need to call your mom still? Okay, plenty of us. Good. All right. Well, at least I get to, at least I get to spend it with my wife, who's an incredible mom, by the way. She's so incredible that she worked last night and. And, uh, and then she came home and slept on the couch for about, what, 20 minutes maybe? She don't even know because she fell asleep. So uh, she fell asleep and then she goes back and gets a couple hours sleep, to, or a couple hours sleep this afternoon and goes right back out and does it again uh, tomorrow because she is an incredible mom. So I love you, babe. She's incredible. Uh, but uh, for the rest of the mothers, uh, we're just, again, we're glad that you're here too. And thanks so much for everything that you do. Thanks so much for... All that you do for us when we're little, when we're old, even when, even when we're, even when we're adults. I, you know, I found myself last night filling out my, yeah, I'm gonna, oh, I just let it out of the box, didn't I? Filling out my mom's card, which is now not going to get in the mail till Monday. So, uh, but as I was sitting down and I was filling out the card, I could still have many, many things to tell her thank you for. And so, uh, I really, really appreciate her and, and the sacrifices that she's made for me as well. Um, last week, uh, we started a, a new series that we're calling I Marriage, and for those of you that, that were not here, I'm going to do a quick review, and let me just say this, if you missed it and you'd like to listen to it, you know, we have it available in two different spots. We have it available on the church website, and then also I've got a little blog in which I put all uh, some of my different conversations, some of my sermons, whether it be for, from youth ministry or Wednesday night, I put them available on there too. You can go to there and you could take a listen to that and kind of get caught up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get us caught up real quickly before we get started today. And here's the thing. We said uh, that when we walk into a marriage, all of us walk down that aisle with a big old eye uh, in, our, in our life. It's all that we've ever known. You know what? I imagine then when I get married, it's going to be like this. Or I just dream when we get married that he's going to do this. And I, and I just think that he's going to act this way, and I think that she's going to act this way, and, and that's, all we've, you know, that's what we thought of. Matter of fact, we said that when we walk down the aisle, all of us walk down the aisle with a big box of dreams, wishes, and desires. Things that we just expect. You know, like we just, you know, I dream that one day when we get married, we're going to live in a, in, in a big old one of these, you know, a nice big house. And, and I just dream that, you know, one day we're going to have kids and, and I, you know, we're going to have two kids or we're going to have four kids or we're going to have them, you know, two years into our marriage, we're going to have them five years into our marriage. We just, you know, we just have dreams of how that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I just dream that, uh, you know, when I get married, my my wife, she's going to be just like my mother, and when I come home, and you know, there's just going to be clean clothes everywhere, and I just imagine that's going to happen, and, and again, for us guys, you know, again, we dream that, you know, when we get married, that our wives will, will never come to bed, and, and anything like this, right, and we just dream that's going to happen, and, and the flip side, ladies, 
we just, you know, we just dream that our husbands, we just, we just know they're going to love us no matter what we wear, right? And we just, we just dream that's the way it's going to be. And then we also, we, we dream and, and we just imagine how we're going to schedule our time together, right? We're going to spend this amount of time with our friends and, and you know, he's going to be home at 5.30 for dinner every night and, you know, and we talk about how we're going to spend the holidays and we just have this dream and vision of how that's all going to happen. And all of this stuff is natural. But what we find out, what we find out later though, is that somewhere along the line from when we say I do at the altar to later on to our honeymoon or two months later or, you know, two years later, that things just kind of start to, to change a little bit. And what happens is these, these, these desires over here, they start to, to migrate into that expectation box. You know what I mean? You know, honey, I, I know that when we were dating, we talked about how we were going to live in that, that big house, and we said, you know what, we, we, I know we're going to start small, and then we're going to upgrade eventually, but, but when's it going to happen? You know, anytime soon is that going to happen? And, and when we were dating, we also talked about how we were going to make the money so that we could take nice vacations, and you know what, are we there yet? Are we, when's it going to happen? And so we start to have all these desires, and, and a lot of them are natural. And we're not necessarily sure how that shift begins to happen, but the one thing that we're sure of, the one thing that we're sure of, uh, that we're for sure of is this: that when we start to take these desires and we begin to place them on the shoulders of our wives or our husbands, now all of a sudden they become big, huge burdens. These desires now start to become expectations and things in that marriage all of a sudden they just begin to they begin to change and they begin to to look a little bit different and what happens next is and you might not necessarily define it this way but what happens next is now our marriage turns into a debt debtor relationship a debt debtor relationship you owe me or sorry i owe you and you owe me and you know, I'll get my way, just you wait and see. And, 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 and all of a sudden, now what it is, it's this big sense of, you owe me. I mean, you owe it to me to keep the house clean. I mean, that's what my mommy did. Or you owe it to me, right? Some of you guys are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And you owe it to me to make the money. I mean, that's just the way that it is. You owe it to me. And we said that when this happens... All of a sudden, all of a sudden, things just kind of begin to change. And all the good stuff about marriage, the intimacy, the romance, the sense of community, all of that begins to change. And it begins to, to disappear and it begins to evaporate. And what we find happening is what started off as a covenant has now turned into more of a contract. What started off as unconditional love has now turned into very conditional. And so we find ourselves in this tension that we just can't seem to figure out how it works. And so last week, I left you with a challenge last week. Last week, I left you with a challenge that was this. Imagine a marriage where the stuff that was in this expectation box, I'm sorry, this desire box, all of a sudden, we started migrating it and putting it over here, into that. Oh, I'm sorry, we're supposed to be coming back this way. 
Sorry, I mess it up sometimes. See, even I mess this up sometimes. But imagine a marriage that was like that. Imagine a marriage in which your job as a spouse is begin to try to figure out and discover what it is that's in your spouse's dreams and wishes box and what you can do to possibly begin to figure that out and make those dreams come true for her or him. Imagine a marriage in which you didn't have to come home every day with this huge burden and this expectation that was in here, that expectation that you knew that you would never be able to fulfill. Imagine a marriage in which this box was empty. Imagine a marriage in which this box right here was empty. I mean, what would that, what would that look like? Because we need to answer, and this is the question that I left you with last week as a challenge, is to answer the question, what is it that my wife or my husband, my spouse, what is it that they owe me? What is it that they owe me? Because your answer to that question, what does my my spouse owe me, tells you exactly what's inside this box right here. And the stuff that's in this box right here is the stuff that's impeding the progress of our marriage. And so today, I want to do this for you. Is I want to, I left you with that question. Today, I want to begin to, to answer that question. What is it exactly that my spouse owes me? But before we do that, I just kind of want to make one little introductory comment before we go here today. And, and, that, is, and that is this. This, this. The answer to this question today only applies to you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Only applies to you if that's that. And, and you know what? We're glad that you're, that you're here this morning. If that's you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're probably not going to like the answer that I have for you this morning. And the other thing is, too, as well, is that this answer that I want to give to you this morning, it really doesn't apply to you. You know, even though you understand this dilemma and you understand where I'm going, and maybe you're experiencing it right now, the answer to this question really doesn't apply to you. Because, see, if you were going to come to me and you were to talk to me about your marriage and you would say, you know what, Pastor Al, this is one of the struggles that we have in my marriage, I would tell you that I just don't know if I can help you. I just don't. The only way I know how is the Christian way. I have no other answer. But what I'm going to talk about today is this. I know this for sure, is I know that it works. And the Bible answers that, to the, the Bible answers that question, how do you keep the expectation box empty, and how do you keep from having an I marriage? And the only way to answer that, the only way to empty that box is to answer that question, what does my spouse owe me? And I know some of you talked about it this week, so today I'm going to give you the answer. The answer to that question is, my spouse owes me nothing. My spouse doesn't owe me anything. You see, in a Christian marriage, you have to conclude that your wife or your husband owes you nothing. And we're going to look at why this is the case. We're going to look at it from the Bible. And for those of you who were here last week and maybe were a little upset that we didn't really open the Bible, today we're going to use it. So we're going to, uh, so we're going to answer that question from the Bible. But the first thing you need to remember is this. That in a Christian marriage, in a Christian marriage is not a place 
where we throw Bible darts. Does anybody know what a Bible dart is? <laughs> Some of you guys laugh because you know what it is, right? You know what, honey? The Bible says that you were supposed to love me unconditionally. Boom. Right? Oh. Well, you know what? The Bible says that you're supposed to submit to me. Boom. Right? You know what I'm talking about. But you know what? The Christian marriage is not about controlling the other person's conduct or their behavior. See, that's an eye marriage with a big old cross right around the neck. And that's what, in the Bible, so we don't control each other's behavior. A Christian marriage answers that question, you know, what does my spouse owe me? Answers that question that my spouse owes me nothing. That's the only way to empty that box. The only way. So where did I get that from? If you have a Bible, I want to look through some verses that are, just three verses this morning that are very familiar with you, and they, and they come from Ephesians chapter 5. And if you've been in church long enough, I'm sure you've heard this. Maybe some of you even had these verses read at your marriage, like I know I did. But I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And we're going to look at this. And this idea that we're going to look at today is, is not necessarily just found in the book of Ephesians. It's found throughout the whole Bible and, and when the Bible talks about marriage. And the answer to this question, this is real interesting, the answer to this question is inviting a third person into our marriage. And that third person becomes front and center in the relationship, in the marriage, front and center. So let's do this. Let's read verse 21. And this is uh, Paul's introductory statement to a discussion on marriage. And this has kind of always been one of my, I just don't understand this. I've always thought that verse 21 should be right there above verse 22. Maybe some of you have little page breaks and it has 21. And then it says wives and husbands and start with 22. I've always thought that it should be right there connected to that. But let me read to you verse 21 first. It says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission means I'm going to place somebody else's dreams, desires, and wishes. I'm going to place those above my own. I'm going to prioritize you first before me. And then here's really the kicker in this whole statement here is real interesting. Is he says, I want you to submit to one another, not out of reverence for one another. I mean, we would expect him to probably say that, right? But submit, instead, he says, I want you to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ, not each other. Because of what he did for you, I want you to submit to each other. And this is a powerful, powerful statement. Let me see if I can explain it another way. Let's imagine that I'm having a conversation with God and I'm just, you know, Jesus, I am so thankful for all that you've done in my life. I'm thankful that you've died on the cross for me. I'm so thankful that, that, you, um, that you forgave my sins. Jesus, I'm so grateful. What is it that I can do to show you how grateful I am back? And I can imagine him saying, you know what? Take all that love, take all that passion, 
and begin to shower it, begin to pour it upon your spouse. And then I, and I can imagine maybe some, no, wait, Jesus, hold on. I'm talking about you and me. I mean, I am so grateful. I am so thankful for everything that you've done. What is it that I can do to show you how grateful I really am? And I could just imagine him again saying, you know what? Take all that gratefulness that you have and you pour it on the person that I put into your life. You pour it on your spouse and you show them how much I love you. And then I, but God, come on. Can I just add another 1% to my tithe? Or can I just go on a mission trip or something like that, something else? And God would just say to you, you know what? Put your spouse first. And again, not because they deserve it, but because I put you first. And in other words, I want you to do for them what I have done for you. And, and do you know what else he would say? He would say, you know what, that debt-free relationship that you and I, we've got going on with each other, apply it to your spouse as well. Apply it to them as well. And, and you, know what, you know what, Al, just as I have declared that you owe me nothing, I want you to declare to them that they owe you nothing. And then he gets it more specific in verse 22, and we're going to Ladies, this is just because you come first. That's it. We got stuff here for the guys as well. But, but, but in verse 22, he goes, Paul goes on and he talks to wives. And this is what he says in verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Listen again. He didn't say, submit to your husbands because they've earned it. No, he says, submit to them as you submit to the Lord. There it is again. Submit to somebody else. That word submit. We're grateful for what God has done and we want to show it to Him. But how does He say that we can do all that? In that verse we just read, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But God, don't you know that He... not Love me by submitting yourselves to your husbands. And then he goes on. Here you go, husbands. This is you and me. Verse 25. He says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Again, he, he's not saying to love your wives because they deserve it, but rather to love them as I love the church and... And I gave myself up for her. Love her out of reverence for Christ and take all of that passion, take all of that gratitude, and you begin to pour it onto your spouse. And here's how I want you to do it. I want you, on top of that, to be willing to lay down your life for your spouse. And do you know what that means, guys? That means we need to communicate to our spouse, to our wife, that we would be willing to lay down our plans, our dreams, our gadgets, whatever it is, whatever those things are, schedules, on behalf of her when it becomes necessary. 
They need to feel like that much of our priority. Again, not because they deserve it, although they do, but because of what Jesus did and how he laid down his life for us. This is big, isn't it? This is huge. Wives, husbands, I want you to take this debt-debtor relationship, this debt, I'm sorry, this debt-free relationship you have with me, and now I want you to begin to apply it to your marriage. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, Pastor Allen, God, it sounds like a lot. And you know what it is? As long as there's two big eyes in the room kind of staring at each other. But in a Christian marriage, you don't conduct your marriage in the shadow of big old eye, do you? You conduct your marriage in the shadow of a cross. And if we want to show our gratitude to Jesus, to Christ, it has to be more than just you know a few tears that we shed during a worship song on a Sunday morning. Because that kind of stuff happens spontaneous, doesn't it? You want to show your gratitude, take home your love, pour it out on your spouse, whether you think that they deserve it or not, because that's what I did for you. Now listen, I want to I wanna share something with you. I want to try to illustrate with you. I'm not exactly sure if I could say this real good, but I'm going to try. Do you know why God has designed marriage like this? I want you to think about this this morning, because this is huge, and it's kind of really hard to get our, get our hands around. God designed marriage this way because God is not content on us, or he's not content on being just big, old, invisible, intangible God who gives us some, you know, some good feelings every once in a while. He's not content on that. You see, there's a mystery in marriage. And maybe not the mystery you're thinking about, okay? But there's a mystery in marriage, and it's this. And let me try to explain it this way the best I can. God wants my spouse, God wants Lana, to experience his physical, his tangible, his in-his-presence love so much that he put me into her life. I'm to be a channel of his love to her. See, he knows that the the way that she is going to experience his love the most is not through a worship song or a verse of scripture or an experience that she has, but the way she's going to experience his love the best is through me. That's how much he loves me. And you know what the flip side of that is true as well. God wants me to know how much he loves me so much that he put that he put somebody in my life. He knows that the best way that I'm going to experience his love, again, it's not through a book that I read or, or, or you know, a verse of scripture, a, a bumper sticker that I see somewhere, but he put an actual person into my life to show me. And her job and her responsibility is to reflect his love to me. And that's why God designed marriage the way that he did. That we would love him. That we would love them. Not because they deserve it, but because it's the way that, you know, he loves us. I want them to know how much I loved him. And here's the thing, again, you are, and I think this is a blank coming up here, you are my number one tool and method for me to demonstrate my love to your spouse. And that's a huge responsibility. And before you get freaked out a little bit, you said, you know what, I don't know. 
I want you to turn it around just for a second. How would you like to be the one who receives that kind of love in your life? Sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, pour it on me. I'm ready. Sounds good. But I, so I want you to imagine a marriage where it went both ways. And that's the ideal. That's the target that we're trying to get to. Listen, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, if we, you know, if we can get our arms around this, it's going to change everything in our marriage. See, when we're willing to say that you don't owe me anything, that it's not, and it's not about I, but rather, you know what, it's about what God has done for me, and I want to demonstrate it to you, that's going to change everything. That's the mystery of marriage. That's what God can do in your future. That's what God can do in your current situation. So let me review this again real quick. I can't get locked on to meeting my spouse's dreams and desires if I have loaded her or him down with my expectations. And the only way to get focused on fulfilling my spouse's dreams and desires and, and to start loving them unconditionally is to begin to take the things out of those expectation box and move them back into that desire box. And that means I have to come up with the conclusion that my spouse owes me nothing. She owes me or he owes me nothing. And the only way I can get focused on that, that you don't know me any or you don't owe me anything, is to get focused on the one who first told me, you don't owe me anything. Now, I know there's an objection. <laughs> I've heard some of them. I'm sure you've heard them too. And you might be thinking, Pastor I, you just don't understand my marriage. Pastor I, you don't understand my husband. See, here's the thing. If I don't keep my husband... Yeah, you know where I'm going with this, right? If I don't keep my husband on a leash... Who knows what he's going to do? Right? Pastor Al, my wife, I can't even trust her with $5. I mean, it, it, it's tough. It, and you know what? You want me to, you want me to put this down? You're, I might be able to just for a little bit, but then you know what? I'm afraid that he or she might, and you fill in the blank. You see, I'm afraid that if I give him just a little bit, that he might, and so I yank back on that leash. And I'm afraid that if I give her just a little bit of, little bit of slack here, yeah, you know, I, you know exactly, I'm afraid that she's going to revert right back to, and so we do that. And do you know what we call, <laughs> do you know what we call it? when we try to uh, change somebody's behavior by lengthening and shortening that leash, do you know what we call that? We call that parenting, right? And I've got an idea that when you went down the aisle and you said, I do to your spouse, that the last thing you wanted was a third one of those. Just a guess. So when you begin to manage expectations, it's now about a parenting model. It's not necessarily, about, uh, not necessarily about a marriage model. And so when you find yourself in that situation, all of a sudden there's no room 
for unconditional love. There's no room. You can't experience it. You can't begin to give it out. Why? Because your marriage is built upon expectations. It's built upon you and your, or your spouse trying to live up to that level, that bar that you've set, right? That's what begins, that's what begins to happen in a marriage. And might that work for a little bit? Yeah, maybe for a little bit. But my guess is, my guess is, that's not what you signed up for. And I know that that's not God's plan for your life. So do you know what determines how easy it is to empty that box or to put down this leash? You know what determines that more than anything else? Sure, maybe if you were in a previous marriage, maybe a little bit, maybe some of that. But what determines how easy it is to put down this rope or to empty that box is more than anything, it probably comes from the type of home that you grew up in. You see, because as soon as you start giving your husband, you know, just a little bit of slack, and then he starts doing something the way that your dad did it that you didn't like, you start to pull back, don't you? Or the moment that your wife starts to exhibit certain types of behavior, certain types of behavior that your wife did, I'm sorry, that your mother did, you start to pull back. You start to pull back on that rope because of what happens. And so we find ourselves trying to find ourselves trying to control things because there's these memories that are coming up from the past of what had happened in my home with my mom or my dad when I was there. And you know what? You can try to control things if you want, and you can keep that leash, but I'll tell you again, you know, that's not a marriage. It's not what God intended. You cannot give, you cannot receive unconditional love in a relationship like that. There's just no margin for that to happen because we're just, again, we're managing expectations. And I don't think this is where you want to be. Listen to me this morning. We have to decide that it's not about two big big eyes anymore. My spouse doesn't owe me anything. And what you choose to do with that freedom, don't miss this. It's between you and God. I mean, you, if you want to run off and you want to do something, go right ahead. You go ahead and do that. But you know what? I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. I'm just a person that God has put into your life to express his love to you. And what you do with that, it's up to you. You're an adult. And I'll just stand before God and I'll say, you know, God, I was so grateful I just loved her, and, and I know that she or, she or he, they trampled all over my love, but you know what? That's between you and them. Now listen, I'll be, I'll be done in just a second here. David, just a minute or two, if you want to just go ahead and come on up, you can. Worship team. There are no guarantees. I know that. This is not a formula this morning. This is not listen to it today, apply it to tomorrow, and then by Wednesday, you're back at your honeymoon again. You know, if you're afraid to drop that rope, or you're afraid to empty that box, I can understand why you might. But you'll never experience that unconditional love. There's just no place for it in our marriage. And there are no guarantees that this is going to work, but I know this, this is your only hope. This is your only hope. This is your only hope for God to invade your relationship, your marriage, and to bring about that change. 
It's the only hope for them to be able to identify your efforts that you have to love them unconditionally. And this is your only hope to give, I'm sorry, to receive that love that you desperately, desperately want. You see, the reason you don't want to let go is because many of us, we don't want to be alone, do we? We don't want to be abandoned, and it's I, I, I. And in an effort to preserve big capital I, you decrease your chances of ever experiencing what it is that God has for your life and that unconditional love. And this morning, I'm not telling you this is going to happen. I'm telling you that it can't happen until you decide, even if it's only you, that I'm going to have a Christian marriage. No more Bible darts, no more parenting. I've just decided that, you know what, no longer do you owe me anything. You are no longer in debt to me. And again, what your spouse decides to do with that, they decide, but you know what, you don't owe me anything. And I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to find out what's in my spouse's box. And I'm going to do my best to love them unconditionally. And then I'll wait and see how they respond. Because I want to create the potential for God to do something unusual in my marriage. And maybe you're here and you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what? I'm with you, Pastor. I really am. I'm with you. Just not quite sure if I can do this. Just not quite sure. So what do you do then, Pastor Al, with all the stuff in that desire box? You know, I got it all back in there, just like you were saying, it's all there. Do, do I ignore it? Do I just say I don't want it anymore? You know what, the Bible answers the question to that as well. It answers the question, what do I do with the desires when Big I now wants nothing to do with them and he wants to keep them in that desire box? That's what we're going to talk about next week, part three of I Marriage. But until then, here's the decision that you have to make, and that is what are you going to do with the box? What are you going to do with that empty box? What are you going to do with that rope? Or, sorry, what are you going to do to empty the box? What are you going to do to put down that rope there? You can continue to do what you're doing with the children watching, or you can say, you know what, I don't want an I Marriage with a cross around it. I want the whole thing. I'm willing, to do, I'm willing to do for them what you did for me, and I'm willing to declare that they don't owe me anything. You don't owe me. I'm just going to love you. I'm just going to love you. And I'm just going to leave the consequences. I'm going to leave the outcome of whatever happens into the capable hands of my loving Father. I'm going to leave it to Him. Would you consider that this morning? You know, in just a second, as the worship team begins to, to play here, I'm going to pray for you that God will give you the wisdom to do what you need to do, whatever that is. Because I know everybody's situation here this morning, we're all different. And as I'm sitting here and I'm sharing this with you, there might be some of you sitting next to each other, you really don't even want to look at your spouse right now. Some of you can't wait to get in the car because you can't wait to talk about it. Some of you, your spouse isn't here, and you're wishing, man, I wish they were here to listen to this. This isn't simple, and it isn't easy, but it's God's design. But here's what I know. I'm going to leave you with just one last thought. 
when we follow the principles of God, it's an invitation for God to get involved. When we follow the principles of God, it's an invitation for God to get involved. And if you're anything like me, and I don't know how much we're alike, but I know this, if you're anything like me, you want Him involved. Amen? You want Him involved in your marriage. And the way to do that is to approach it like He asks us to, to follow His principles. That's an invitation for Him to do something unusual in your marriage. Today, I don't have little cards for you to take home, for you to discuss. But I know that just over the last week or so, as I've talked to a few different people, I was really encouraged to to hear them say, you know what, my wife and I, my husband and I, we actually took a few moments, we talked about this, you know, we discovered this, or we didn't discover that, but we at least took some time and talked about it, and that to me is encouraging, because that's what I want to do, is try to help find some ways for us just to talk about this a little bit. So today, again, maybe that's the thing for you. Maybe on the way home, maybe later, I don't know when the right time is, but you'll begin to to think about that. You'll begin to talk about that. And you'll just determine your spouse doesn't owe you anything. Would you pray with me? God, again, I just thank you so much for today. First of all, again, I thank you for the mothers that are here. Thanks for putting them into our lives. Thank you for everything they do for us, the way they love us, the way they sacrifice for us, the way that in lots of homes, the way they just keep that house together and keep it in order. They are truly incredible, and I just ask for your blessing to be upon them today and this year. Let them know again how much they are loved before they walk out. God, I thank you for the wonderful mystery that is marriage. Thank you for the spouse that you put into our lives. And I pray that you'll just help us to continue to, to find ways not to take our desires, these, these natural wishes and dreams, things that you've even put into our life. Help us to find ways not to take those and to throw them on the shoulder of our, our spouse so that they become burdens and expectations. But help us find ways to move them back by determining our spouse doesn't owe us anything. And that we would do our best to submit ourselves. We would love each other. We'd put put the other person first. And that by doing that and finding ways, God, we can begin then to express your love to them in a very tangible way. God, I know this, as I share this, is, this is so much easier said than done. But again, God, as we finished, when we do things according to your way, God, that's just an invitation for you to get involved in our marriage. And today we invite you into our marriage. God, help us. Be with us. Bless our homes. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.